How's it, everybody? Welcome back for another episode. Whether you're listening now or now, now, Ronnie and I are here as always. Yeah, I noticed uh, Nick didn't cater for the just now time frame, but that's why I'm here. Uh, we're just two oaks that like to talk a bit about rugby. Sometimes we pretend we we know what we're talking about. Sometimes we don't. Uh, we just here to talk about rugby. That's it. Yeah, well, Ronnie and I will be taking a look at the past week's Curry Cup fixtures, as well as some of the action in the Champions and Challenge Cups. And then we're also very excited as this week we'll be having Blue Bulls referee uh, Carla Ardendorf joining us a little later in the episode. So sit back, turn us up, and Ronnie, Vipia Pumas. Yeah, Vipia Pumas. Uh, I do not like the Vipia. Vipia slash Stormers. Um, really? This I'm is not the first fan. time I'm hearing of it. Uh, it's just the first time. Well, I yeah. don't know what it is about them. It's just I don't like it. I suppose it is the North versus South uh, sort of rivalry that I quite enjoy. And um, for that case, you know, I'm always, always in favor of, of the North over Vipia. Anyways, uh, so they, they managed to pip uh, the Pumas. It was, a, it was a good game for the Pumas. I, uh, Pretty I thought tight they, fixture, hey, 23-17 to the province. Especially after, um, you know, beating the Sharks, I figured the Pumas would be able to do one over the Vipia. But uh, Vipia came out strong, for, or finished strong at least. And that's really what, what matters at the end of the day. I'm just taking a wild guess here, but you probably picked the Pumas on Superbrew, didn't you? Do you want me to confirm that really quickly? <laughs> oh, Ronnie, so, I, yeah, look, I know you, and I'm pretty sure that that was your pick. We know from past experiences. <laughs> it was, wasn't it? That's why you're laughing in the background there now. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, so go. I did back. I, what did I actually pick? So I, I picked the Pumas to win. So what did you pick the Pumas by, Ronnie? So I backed the Pumas by four. Yes, yeah. you you and your picks. If the listeners ever needed any evidence of who to Well, look, it. if you knew anything about the Curry Cup, you would go and look at the province track record uh, and also the Pumas track record, and you would know that Pumas were the clear favorites for that game. So <laughs> That might be yeah. the next challenge. How many times has Rioni called the Pumas the favorites or the Giant Slayers in a single season of a podcast? But then I think, Ronnie, well, looking did... over Cheetahs versus the Sharks, 44-15 to the Cheetahs. Quite a big win for them there. A little bit embarrassing for us Sharks supporters, right? Yeah, I guess that was a little bit of an embarrassing game. You know, the Sharks struggled to fire, struggled to contain the Cheetahs. And as they have in the last couple of games, second half, the Cheetahs really put the foot to the pedal. And that was that. So I just want to ask you, who did you pick in Super Brew? <laughs> I feel like this is a trap, but I'm going to confidently say because I was correct, Cheetahs did beat the Sharks and I did back So you, you you didn't back your, your, your own team, is that what you're saying? Yeah, okay. You got me on this one occasion, Ronnie, but I'm not as much of a traitor as you. Did you back the Sharks? Yes. <laughs> Nonsense. I don't believe that for a second. But that's that's what we'll have to deal with, hey? You know, I think the Sharks still struggling a little bit at fly harsh. Actually, quite exciting to see they've now announced this week the signing of Lionel Grenier. He's a player I feel can definitely add to, to the Sharks playing stocks. And that's probably the position we needed a, an experienced fly half the most, especially with the likely departure of Kerwin Bosch. So, so where's Kerwin Bosch off to? France, but I'm not quite sure the team's been confirmed yet. So, you know, we will, we will do an article about that or chat about it on the podcast once that's definitely confirmed. But I mean, bringing in a, another fly half, you can imagine that's... Probably well, Lionel's been part of the past, part of the picture before, so he, he's, he'll be familiar with living in Durban and driving down the M4. Um, so, yeah, hopefully good things to come. Just have to wait and see for that one. 
And then last Curry Cup fixture of the weekend, Bulls 43, Lions 37. Now that yeah. was way closer than I anticipated it being. Yeah, absolutely. I thought the Bulls were going to hammer the Lions and, and essentially did, but then the Lions just managed to, to almost match them try for try. It's only, I mean, what's it? Six points difference, two high scoring games. Both teams want to take a look at their defense. Very shocking from both sides, but you know, that was still like very exciting. Yeah, and I mean, the Bulls did have a number of URC players there, but the Lions even more so. So, you know, I think that upped the quality of the game a little bit. But like you say, high-scoring game, defense needs a better look. And, you know, the Bulls are pretty secure in the Curry Cup. They're second or first on the log, actually, but the Cheetahs do have that game in hand. And I think they've struck the right balance because at this stage, they're qualifying for both the playoffs in the URC and the Curry Cup, which is quite exciting for the Pretoria franchise. And then, you know, there was some really good Heineken Cup action on this weekend. I don't know if any, any of the listeners got to watch it. I know we got to watch a couple of games. How good is that Leinster side, Ronnie? Well, they seem to be in control right from the get-go. Yeah, at no point did I actually think that this was going to swing the other way. And uh, I just felt that Leinster, you know, they were managing the pace of play um, according to their wishes, which was fantastic to see. I mean, Johnny Sexton was in sublime form, snapping up man of the match either. So Leinster actually winning that one against last year's champions to lose. They won 40-17. So, to so lose they played is to out. win. Yeah, not today, Ronnie. So yeah, to lose falling out of the competition. And then later on, on Sunday, Racing hosted La Rochelle. Unfortunately, Racing losing that one at 2013. La Rochelle also last year's finalists against Toulouse. So they're in their second consecutive final. Yeah, that's going to be a killer of a game, but I definitely think Leinster's prime to take that one and um, it will be played in France though yeah I'm a little bit uh, biased in favor of Leinster and I'll definitely bring that up a little bit later in the podcast uh, but yeah I think I think the URC this year has made me very excited uh, about the rugby that the South Africans are getting to play overseas in the URC and then ultimately going into the Heineken Cup or, or the, the Challenge Cup and the Champions Cup next year so you know I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big Fanboy of, of Leinster, if you will. Big fanboy of Leinster, hey. Another traitorous comment from uh, Ronald over here. But then, I mean, you did just mention it, the Challenge Cup, also semi-finals taking place there. We got to see Toulon play Saracens. Nice, Etzebeth versus Maro Etoje. Once again, Etzebeth coming off the winner. Toulon winning that fixture 25-16. Bit of a tight affair to start off with, though. Bit of an upset, in my in my opinion, actually. I thought yeah. the Saracens might actually take this one, but uh, yeah, Toulon held out. Yeah, Toulon held out. They got that victory. Good to see Sergio Parise playing there still as well. Uh, you know, Toulon, Toulon have a high-caliber squad and a lot of money to spend. Then again, so do Saracens when they're not hiding it elsewhere. So that, that was quite a good fixture. And then the other one of the weekend, Leon uh, versus the Wasps. Leon winning that one 2018 to set up an all-French final in the Challenge Cup. So three out of the four teams in the final are French and then Leinster representing the UK. I mean, it's Ireland. the national team. The French national team is also doing incredibly well, right? So yeah. this is testament to what's actually happening there. They're seeing an incredible growth and uh, um, some good form coming out of their domestic teams. And that's, you know, finding its way into the national team. So, you know, whatever they're doing there, uh, whoever their director you know, who's ever, whoever is directing all the rugby funds and training and logistics around that country is doing an exceptional job. So 
Well, hundred percent. You can see it coming from the bottom up, and I mean, if their clubs are performing this well, that's exactly what you expect to transpire in the international stage. So great, great in building to the the World Cup next year. And then Ronnie, a favorite game of mine from the weekend. Did you manage to catch the Blues versus the Reds in Super Rugby? <laughs> Your favorite game of yours. I know you're just bringing this up for one bloody person, so go ahead and kick it off. Yeah, so Blues winning that one, 53-26. Just got to say, you know, Bowden Barrett, masterclass on attack there. He really ripped that Reds defense to shreds. Ronnie would think Richie Munger might be able to do that, but, you know... I don't know. That, for me, was an all-black so, performance. So, j- just to clarify, and I'm, I'm going to definitely bring this up again later, but I just want to clarify. Do you think the do you think uh, Bowden Barrett playing fly half for the Blues makes them a better team than Richie Munga's uh, Crusaders? I definitely do. And I can see you <laughs> wincing here, but Ronnie, we know more than anything, and the Superbrew log proves it, that I know more than you. And which which that. super brew log? Can I just ask which super brew log, please? <laughs> you you can, but that doesn't mean I have to answer. Well, but, if you just want to clarify that it's it's only the the K Cup that you're beating me in. There is uh, I'm beating you in the European Challenge Cup predictor, Gallagher Premiership, Heineken Champions Cup, Major League Rugby, Super Rugby Pacific Top Fourteen, uh, the URC, as well as the World Seven. So I'm beating you in all of those, and you just are beating me in the K Cup. Well, fortunately, I'm the one that edits this podcast, so we'll be definitely cutting that out. But yeah, Ronnie, all in all, a pretty good weekend of rugby, hey? Yeah, exciting stuff. I think, uh, uh, you know, you say it's a good weekend of rugby. There was rugby. I don't know about it being, uh, aside from the Heineken Cup and the, or the Champions Cup and the Challenge Cup, um, I didn't, I was looking forward to a little bit more, but the URC is back. You know, they're back soon. Yeah, this weekend, in fact. Okay, well, Ronnie, I reckon that's about enough from you now. Why don't we welcome our first ever guest on the pod, Carla. And for those of you who don't know, this is the second time recording it because Nick did not hit record, but uh, Carla is a qualified referee. <laughs> she's registered with the Blue Bulls Rugby Union, but not only that, she's also the forwards coach for the under-20 Naka Bulls side. Yeah, I hope that doesn't make you a Blue Bulls fan, Carla. Definitely not. <laughs> There we go. So who do you actually support then? I am definitely a Shark supporter. Um, been all my life and will be for the rest of my life. Ah, okay. There we go. There Good. we go. That's so, the answer we like to hear. So we're three Sharks on, <laughs> on a podcast. Uh, sounds like the start to an interesting joke. Yeah, that's the way it goes. And I definitely <laughs> have to get this question off my chest now. I hadn't pre-planned this with Carla. <laughs> But Carla, <laughs> Richie Moonga versus Bowden Barrett, who wins that one? Ronnie seems to have his own opinions on the matter. So we're looking for someone to sort of set the record straight, yeah? Well, I have this slight idea that I'm going to disappoint someone, but I will definitely have to go with Bowden Barrett. Oh, there we go. Ronnie, you heard it. You had <laughs> I don't want to be part of this podcast anymore. <laughs> okay. well, you had that's Ronnie out of his seat waiting now. for that I, was, I actually stood up because I was about to celebrate, but... <laughs> Okay, whatever. Let's go. Yeah, unfortunately, Ronnie <laughs> Bowden is the winner in that one. Did you see the masterclass he pulled off this weekend for the Blues? I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, can we get to the interview, please? <laughs> yeah, that's what happens when you want to just move on and get through it, eh? Um, but yeah, I think, Carla, maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got involved in rugby for the first time. All right. So um, the first time I actually physically got involved with rugby was around 2018 when I started my first teaching job. 
Um, it was a high school in Newcastle and they asked me what sport I was interested in um, getting involved with. And I, as I said, I thought they would think it's a joke, but I said rugby and at the end of the day, that's where I got into. Yeah, well, that was definitely a good decision. Glad you decided to follow that sport and not one of the other ones. Eh? <laughs> was that at uh, primary school or high school level? Uh, that was high school level. The first teams I coached were under 15 boys. Okay, lacquer. And then from there, sort of, how did you jump over to refereeing? Um, the coach that I was coaching with at the time, um, Andre Furi, um, he actually told me that it would be a good idea to consider becoming a referee as well, um, just so I could get acquainted with all of the laws of rugby, which we can then um, obviously use while coaching. So I decided to do my level one, um, which I did then at the end of the day. And I didn't actually start getting physically involved in refereeing up until November last year when the Bulls Union asked me if I would join them. Okay, like it. Well, I think a big shout out to um Andre. I think he did a good service there to rugby by getting you involved. And I mean, you mentioned there, okay, you did the course, but you didn't physically in, get involved in the game. So maybe you can just give us some information there on how you go sort of from qualifying to actually getting pitch side. Okay, so you'll have to become a member of a union, um, one of the referee societies, and you can become a member either by maybe applying to them or they will usually invite you to become a member from them and from there on forward, they take it further. Okay, so so what sort of path did you follow in that instance? Is it right to assume that they contacted you? Yes, they did. Um, so I was actually busy with my level one refer- um, sorry, my level one coaching course at the moment or at that time. And apparently Stefan, who is the manager of the Bulls Referee Society, uh, saw me while I was busy with the coaching course and he decided that he wanted to ask me if I wanted to become a referee. So by the time I got my certificate to upload for the coaches, I remembered that I had my referee level one as well. So I uploaded both of them at the same time. And then the next morning, I got the email from Stefan saying that he saw that I already did my level one match officiating and if asked if I wanted to become a member of the Blue Bulls Union. So obviously, you can't decline that offer. Well, I'm assuming you, uh, you had to think about it since it was the Blue Bulls, but uh, we'll allow it, of course. Well, at least if they pay me to do it, it's tolerable. <laughs> Fair enough. They poach Spoo and Corsi and you as well from the Sharks ranks. Eh? But no, nothing <laughs> wrong with that. I mean, we're tax students ourselves, so you know we know the Blue Bulls Union yeah. well. Biggest union in the world. As long as it's not Western Province. <laughs> yeah, Ronnie, Ronnie has something very serious against Western Province, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, so Carla, now that you've actually been asked to become a referee and you've filled in the various, uh, you've done the due diligence, you've sent in your applications, you know, what are the steps that you now have to follow? Because I'm assuming when you start off, you start off with some uh, junior level games and progress to some more senior level games. How does that, how does that process work? Yes, definitely. Um, with the Blue Bulls Union specifically, we have about six major ranks that we can go through. The least important rank, if I can put it like that, will be the fourth league. And that's usually where we start out. Then you can progress to the third league, second league, first league. Then you go up to Colton Reserves and then the Colton uh, main rank basically which is your top society at the blue bulls union specifically so usually we start out with the fourth league and then there's a grading process through which we move up to other leagues and based on what your league is will determine what specific games get allocated to you and mostly we started out in the fourth league and they usually give us ar matches in the beginning uh, assistant referee so that you can get let's say comfortable with the matches before they actually put you on as a referee and when you go for your first referee they 
will usually put you maybe under 14s or under 15s, which isn't that high class game. So you can first get comfortable with it before they throw you into the deep waters. Okay, that's actually quite interesting because I'm trying to think back to when we played in school. You know, the refs also were youngsters most of the time and and just getting out into the game. But I know when we watch schoolboy rugby now, some of the first team games, you really see some some top tier refs actually handling like the Uffie's Gray fixture, for example. So is that how, no. how does that sort of cross paths? It depends on what league they are playing. So obviously your bigger schools like Uffie's and Gray College, they play in bigger leagues than the other schools. So the top class schools have top class leagues that they play in. So usually they pick the more advanced or senior referees to do those. Um, so based on the league that you are currently refereeing for will determine which high grade games you get to ref at. So yeah, as I said now, the, the referees that are high class will most likely have the high class uh, schools that they referee for. That's actually quite interesting to to hear because I mean, schoolboy rugby has really taken off this year with it being now broadcast on Supersport. It's, we actually went and watched uh, Uffies versus Paul Ruiz which was quite lucky and I mean some good officiating on display there. Suppose with respect to to now actually being in your career so regular tests regular assessments do you get assessed after every game how exactly does that work with respect to uh, your growth as within within that so you mentioned you actually move from one tier to the next tier so so do you get based on every game do you have to do courses every couple of months? Uh, do you study for these tests? Oh, well, Ronnie asks that with have... a laugh because he didn't study a day in his life. Oh, <laughs> well, yes, we definitely have. As I said, the grading process also happens. But we once a year, we have a grading process, which will then determine if you go to the next level or not. These include match reviews. So basically, all of the matches that you are involved in gets reviewed by one of the specific people appointed in your league. We have regular fitness tests that you have to pass at a specific um, level. We have law exams that's written two to three times a year, which you always have a minimum requirement that you at least have to meet. And then they actually also judge you on some off-field participation. So we have lots of meetings to go to and practical field sessions. So obviously we have to attend all of those and you have to show a progress in order to then be possibly chosen for a grading process up to the next level. You have to you have to really partake and and put yourself out there and engage with the various people and say, really upskill yourself yeah. quite frequently. It's actually very cool. You know, yes, I think definitely. that's actually something that's lost amongst the general public. You know, you sort of assume someone got into refereeing, they've just been out on the field, a lot of experience and climbed the ranks that way. It's, it's quite actually nice to know that there is a lot of background training going on. And I mean, I imagine it has to be, there's a lot of, a lot of laws and a lot of changes in the game at short notice. So it's great to see that you guys have that sort of background support from the Bulls union. Yes, definitely. Um, the, the nice thing is that obviously I go, well, there's only 21 rules, but all of the rules or each of the rules have like 25 different sub rules that you have to study and there's law amendments the whole time so obviously we need to keep up to date to all of our laws uh, just to make sure that you you know put the right laws into the right games because different games also actually have different laws on different levels the yeah. action when you say there's only 21 yeah. rules you caught Ronnie and I a bit off guard there that's actually quite, <laughs> quite crazy to think there's so few rules but like you say there's so many variations or, B, yeah, or yeah, sort of minor things that can happen within a rule that's so Carla you yes. mentioned that obviously they're, they're they're tracking your performance in game are you telling me that somebody's sitting on the side of the field watching you and with a, with a clipboard and um, jotting down when you make an error 
Yes, we actually have those people um, and they don't always necessarily just track your errors. They will also be there in order to assist you when they see that you need assisting or in order to tell you what you are doing good and what you should rather focus on for the next one. Um, so we basically, as referees, also have coaches which are there to help us to become better referees and to keep us up to standard as to uh, if we are applying the correct rules in the correct ways. Um, so they're not necessarily there to just tell us, you know, what you're doing bad. They're also there to tell us, you know what, this is a very good thing of you. Don't lose this. I think, uh, I think if I was a referee, I'd be very intimidated looking for the person that's assessing me out in yeah. the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> that guy looks like he's watching me too closely. So that's clearly a problem. And oh, that's very cool. You mentioned the fitness test you have to pass. I hope that's not the beep test. I remember that from my playing days. That was horrendous. It's definitely not the bleep test. We do the Bronco <laughs> test, which is oh. actually a little bit worse. Worse. <laughs> But, you yeah, see, it's that's, why, that's why Ronnie and I stopped playing. We knew they were going to come out with crazy stuff like this. <laughs> and the how, thing is, how, the refereeing is cool. How sort of the fitness level required to be a ref? Obviously, I think you guys run a lot more than the players. Do you have any idea sort of how many Ks you get through in a game? It depends, obviously, on what age group you are refereeing at the moment. Also, women to men. The women's have a much slower game than the men, so you don't get as much. But um, I know that there are some people who get maybe at least six Ks in a game. And that's sprinting, that stop, start running. Yeah, Yeah, it's actually crazy to think that you guys need to be fit enough to keep up with the game but not only that you have to be fit enough to still be able to think and apply to make it now known 21 Definitely. Rules. <laughs> 21 rules it's, it's easy being a referee clearly okay well carly you'll see ronnie at the next induction or intake of reps at the pupils <laughs> no but absolutely it's true you have to be incredibly fit as well because your spatial awareness you need to have that spatial awareness to to you know you've just run 30 40 meters you get to a ruck and now you need to be aware of where the players are going to pass the ball so you need to step back immediately you can't be huffing and puffing and tired and not be able to chase the game so no that's very uh, true. incredible fitness that uh, that referees must have and carly you said there so you explained sort of up to carlton level is it then separate to you know when you get to sort of the international stage does saru then contract players from each union or do you know how that process works as far as i know for example the urc and the curry cup games um if you want to be a referee there you have to be select uh, selected by a national structure panel and um for test match the world rugby panel will decide whether you get to the panel or not so um saru usually in accordance with other what do you call it with the other panels um, so usually the different unions that you have so you have the, the the lions union you have the bulls union you have your sharks union so they together with star uh, saru usually then pick the people who move up to the panels so they will see whether it's basically a selection progress or process that happens within the unions and saru and they usually you can be a youngster and still get taken up to saru if you have lots of potential but it's usually more senior referees that get taken up to saru yeah that's that's sort of what we've come to see and people with proven track yeah. records right that you can rely on because i mean if you're gonna if you're gonna ref a big game you need to have that you need sort to be confident you need ability. to have that confidence in your ability absolutely so yes definitely of, yeah, i mean it's 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 not an easy thing to do be a referee i mean but you hate it by both sides at, at some point in the game <laughs> and very rarely at the end of the game does one team say oh well that's a it was a great referee so yeah. we feel for you referees absolutely no we mm-hmm. definitely definitely do but it's quite interesting I mean, a time frame from sort of, I know it's there's probably no hard and fast rule from starting out to being a test referee, but you're saying the more senior guys, would you say it's a 10-year sort of career plan or longer? 
No, I won't necessarily say that. When I speak about senior, it also includes maybe it's not necessarily how long you've been with the union. Where, let's say, for example, you have a referee that used to play rugby or they used to coach before and now they get a referee. They might only be a referee, let's say, for three years, but they have rugby experience for, let's say, up until 12 to 15 years. And obviously, they move through the ranks, I think, a little bit faster, depending, obviously, on the law exam and their fitness tests and, you know, the off-field uh, off participation. But we have very young referees for example, Morna Ferrara, that's already on his way there, if not yet there. And he hasn't necessarily been with the union for that long, as far as I know. So it's not necessarily about age. I just think it's about, obviously, your progress there. But I'd say maybe within five years, if you really work hard and you really do your part, you'd be able to go up to SA panel. So it is, it is, they watch you quite well. And, and it's, it comes down to a completely individualistic approach, which is actually quite nice to hear. Because often, yeah. you know, managing our social media pages, we see their guys sort of throwing things out at, at the international referees in particular, assuming, yeah. you know, they've, they've just been pulled up there. But I mean, it is, it's not a one sort of one jacket fits all. If you do well, you get escalated. If you don't, you'll sort of stay where you are until you improve your game. I think the bottom line here and what she's saying is, is Nick, before your back actually gives in, you've got an opportunity to become a ref. <laughs> it's too late. I'm already past the 30 there, Ronnie. Now we've spoken a lot about your refereeing. The coaching side of your game, I know you're currently coaching at the Knuckleballs. Do you have yes. a preference between coaching and refereeing? I actually do a little bit. As I was actually telling you a little bit earlier on um, while we were discussing over the emails, I actually wanted to become part of rugby as a referee when I was younger um, in my matric years. But that was more like a, a dream to me than an actual goal because I didn't think it was realistic for a woman to become a referee um, in world rugby matches. So I basically let go of that idea. And then my first opportunity that I got into rugby was as coaching. So then I started to love that part of rugby. Well, a lot, if I can only put it in words. So by the time I got appointed as a referee, I was definitely more attracted towards coaching uh, since I've been doing it for two years then already. But as I actually started doing the refereeing more and more I gradually started loving it as well but I would still say that my heart is a little bit more into the coaching side of it you said you're currently the forwards coach is that correct yes one of the forward coaches there's two of us how did you get the forwards role is it something that you've sort of had a focus on or an interest in previously or is it something you're learning now on the job you know why why the forwards coach well I actually um at school time when I was still 2018 while I was still coaching at the school I used to be the backline coach but I was always in interested in the lineouts. So lineouts have always been a point of interest for me in coaching and the game specifically because there's so much you can do with a lineout. And um, when I started out at NACA, I was actually appointed as a team manager only. So I wasn't even a coach back then. And I think it was within a month's time, um, some of our coaches left and Coach Kudu then, he's our head coach. He asked me to then become one of the coaches and they put me at the back line. And actually I started helping a little bit in the backs and the forwards because sometimes some of the coaches cannot be there. So you'd fill in for some of them. And I started working a little bit with Gary Buerta, actually. And he's an amazing forwards coach at Narcos Seniors team. And an when they were doing lineouts and... Sorry? Yeah, he was an amazing player too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so seeing him in action as a forwards coach, obviously it's an amazing thing to see. And I was shadowing a little bit with him. And then I came back and implemented what he implemented with the seniors and tried to implement it with the juniors. And um, we just basically, I started focusing a little bit more on the forwards. And then about, I think it was about a month ago, they told me that they are moving me to the forwards coaching instead of the backline coaching because there's actually 
something happening. It must be way more fun being in the forwards. The back line is very boring. So yeah, 100%. We get the two ex-forwards uh, who agree that most 95% of rugby is played by the uh, number ones to number eights. And 90% of that is your front row, hey, Dita. <laughs> 90% of your penalties. I think there's a lot of wars being fought over that that has never been won before. But said like a true South African, you know, line out, there's so much you can do with it. As yeah. a Northern Hemisphere, tend to like to get the ball out quick and move it. But I mean, we know here in South Africa, we use it as a big attacking platform. It's an opportunity to get some physical ascendancy. So yeah, it's nice that you've taken an interest and I suppose no better union than one that Victor Matfield is associated with then, hey? (laughs) He's definitely the line-out king. Yeah, he is for sure. So yeah, you say now on the coaching front, how do you manage to do that though? Because I imagine most of your games are on the weekend as a coach, but you're also required to ref. You know, how do you get time to, to handle both at the moment? Yes, uh, most of the times are actually in the beginning of the year. Most of our games were on Saturdays. But the nice thing is with the refereeing, there's actually an app called Who's the Ref, through which we work with our appointments, where you can then indicate whether you are available or not available for that specific weekend and the time slots that you are available. And according to that, then your manager makes your appointments for the week. So usually if you know upfront where you will be needed, you can then just let them know. And other than that, um, they're actually very understanding about the coaching as well. So for example, when we had the Grizzlies Wars, uh, there were several matches being played at the Grizzlies Rugby Club itself. So then they would allocate me some games uh, to AO or to maybe be involved with refereeing somehow uh, in the time slots that my team was not needed. And then when I was needed for warm-up and coaching, then I would go and do the coaching part. So that actually helps out quite a bit. But luckily now with our league starting next week, Thursday, most of our games will be played on Thursdays, meaning the weekends will be open for uh, refereeing. That actually works out quite nicely. And I think it's actually probably hugely to your advantage that you're getting the coaching and the refereeing side of it. I I mean, both aspects you can coach in the eyes of a referee. Yeah, I think there's there's a huge advantage to that. Do you think it's helped you doing both as well? Definitely. I mean, as a coach, you know what to coach the guys and why you coach them that. And then as a referee, you get a whole other aspect of as to why the rules are what they are. So by the time that you start coaching them and you know what the rules are, you know why you are coaching them these specific things. And you also, I don't want to say know how to play around the rules but you you know more of the loopholes that you can then at the end of the day use and not get penalized for so that actually helps but I think the only problem is that a coach hates nothing more than a referee and a referee hates nothing more than a coach so there's two different ways of thinking about it so while you're standing there as a coach you're standing there hating the ref on the field and while you're a referee you're standing there hating the coach next to the field so yeah, it's a catch well 22 said. really yeah, yeah, I can imagine that that brings quite a challenge but I definitely agree <laughs> actually another another ref I'm not sure if you know him Chris Allison um, I used to play rugby with him at Tux and he was refing at the time and it was great to have him on the field with us you know he was going a lot yeah. on the breakdown and and the line out malls at that time um, and it was yeah. definitely great having a coach that actually had refing experience yeah so that that definitely worked out and i think you've taken a, a great decision there to do both especially early on in your career yes. but saying that early in your career you know do you see yourself going up to test level as a referee or we're going to see you coaching the box one day Well, to be honest with you, I'd really love to progress in the refereeing. Um, I mean, especially, let's say, for example, going to the Dubai Sevens to ref, there would be a great experience. Test matches, I think there's nothing more thrilling than to be a test match referee. So obviously, I'd like to um, work myself up there someday. But I think in the long run, if I'd have to say where I 
see my career going or where I'd hope for it to be going is maybe in the next five to eight years to actually become a provincial coach at least. So I think I'm a little bit more focused on the coaching at the moment, although the refereeing is great and everything. But I think it will be easier to progress as a referee and a little bit harder to progress as a coach, to be completely honest. And I think actually South Africa needs more people like you focusing on refereeing because I remember back what around 2007 we had the majority of the the refs on the international the global, stage on yeah. the global referees actually. so it would be good to to see you guys elevating up to that level again and definitely hoping to see you there on that front as well Carla you know you mentioned earlier you at school you know you wanted to to get into rugby and you thought that they would laugh at you and everything and obviously you guys are sort of pioneering in in women refereeing you know is there anything that yeah. you would say to the youngsters wanting to do this you know the girls at school now that want to to follow rugby instead of netball you know the funny sport that they throw the ball forwards well what I would say is to get involved as soon as possible if I think back to my life now and I know where I am at the moment I would definitely have started my rugby career off way sooner because there was always lots of doubts because I am a woman and it is a man-dominated sport at the moment and luckily that's been changing the past few years already and I think we can look up to seeing a big change now um, as there's a lot there's lots of women's coming in especially now in refereeing so it's not something that is so far-fetched anymore but as I said I would say do it as quickly as possible but also they shouldn't think that it's too hard to become a referee or too easy because as I said now also there's lots of things going hand in hand with with refereeing it's definitely something I think that anyone can do if they really put their minds and their hearts to it although there is a lot more to refereeing than some people (laughs) always realize Yeah. yeah, and if they could do the fitness like Nick said, yeah. that's that's that's, <laughs> that's why Ronnie and I only referee from the couch when we watch the games. <laughs> well, that's the easiest way because that's where you eliminate all the judgment. <laughs> exactly, and I'm my own TMO, and I'm never wrong. It just works. Very <laughs> well, actually, you are wrong. We'll have a conversation with Carla uh, about that, I'm sure. But uh, not I see today. another wall coming. Carla, uh, if I if I have to ask, who do you actually look up to? Who's your hero or heroine at the moment? Do you have one? Well, there's obviously a lot of players that I'm actually looking up to. I mean, there are so many great players that you can't um, look away from. I mean, if we look into old uh, Sharks players, I mean, like Rory Cockett and Franz Stein, Percy Montgomery. Oh, I mean, those guys, were, those guys were like legit. I mean, like you, you can't pick a favorite player. And I mean, even, even other players like Julian Sevilla, uh, Bucky's Buerta, Brian O'Driscoll, uh, Johnny Walker even. I mean, those, those players... That, it's just hard to, to, I mean, there's so many different things you can compare. You can have one of the world's greatest kickers and then you have a player that steps living crap out of everyone. So to compare those two to each other, is just, I mean, there, there is just no judgment. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think I have a specific favorite player, but I will never look past Lucanio Um. I think as a Shark supporter, he's just one of the greatest at the moment. How great is it that he's back now for the URC, hey? It's amazing. <laughs> yeah. I just want to say that I'm pretty sure Bucky's Porter was terrible to referee. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm if you look at how sure he actually handled the players, I don't think the referees got off easy. <laughs> no, certainly not. Certainly not, eh? And then, mm-hmm. you know, Carla, we obviously posted on social media that you'd be joining us and we got a couple of yeah. questions from people. You know, we won't right. go through all the questions, but I picked out a couple just to have you answer them. So mm-hmm. I think the first one, Andre Dreyer, he asked, why are the Blue Bulls so good? Uh, <laughs> just quickly, Andre, they're not that good. They may be doing well. But yeah, Carla, what do you have to say on that front? 
Well, um, I think there's only one logical answer to that in the whole equation, and that would be Jake White. I mean, I'm sure that he's definitely still a shark in his heart, and that's the only reason that the Bulls can be good at this stage. I think it, it all comes down to the coach. Well said. Yeah. Well we said. would have known that the perfect answer to that question existed. And Andre, thank you for giving us the platform to say that. <laughs> <laughs> And then Henro Dick, he asked, okay. what did you let besluit op the begin blaas? I don't know if this is based on the flyke blaas or the blaas as a result of unfixed nie, but always some in beheer. This was just um, to say to the global in for me to ask them to pull them to slide. And I mean, this is not just one thing that you don't want in your life. And I have it done. And I'm happy that I will have it on the end of the day. There we go, Henro Dick. And then um, Midis. Mili says, you know, we see a lot of ladies getting involved as referees, few as coaches. Is there a reason for that? Well, if I have to give a personal opinion, me as a woman in the referees, uh, they actually, South Africa rugby is very, very, very uh, much trying hard to get more ladies into refereeing. So there's obviously a lot of people who want to see it, lots of people who are doing it at the moment. I think maybe especially for those reasons. Also because women's rugby is growing. But for the coaching aspect of it, I think as a coach, you really need, your, your heart needs to be into rugby and you need to have a knowledge of rugby which I think not enough women do at the time and as experience that I had when I tried to apply for coaching jobs most of the time what would happen is people would try to push me into women's rugby which is not where I want to be and I think that definitely happens to other women as well they don't ask you if you want to be at the men or at the women's and obviously at the moment women's rugby is not where it can be I think we have a lot of potential in South Africa for women's rugby if we actually pursue it yeah, for me as a coach, I'd love to work with the men because they are actually already on the level that you need them to be, but you can still coach them. So I think a lot of women that want to become involved in rugby doesn't necessarily want to become involved with women's rugby, but we are kind of in a coaching manner being forced that way. And there's not a lot of people who give us the chance like Naka gave me to actually be involved in men's rugby. That's actually, and it's actually great to hear that the push comes from Saru's side as well to, to get more women involved in refereeing. So that's quite interesting. And then Divan asked a question, but you have already answered it. So he just wanted to know, you know, the ultimate goal to coach a referee, but you did answer that yeah. one. Uh, then Bernie Nadine, she asked, you know, what have been the pros and cons of working in such a male-dominated environment? Well, what I would say as my experience so far has been, mostly it's been pros so far. I mean, I'm not sure about the other females, uh, female referees that we have in the coaches, but we get actually a lot of respect from the men. And I think it goes back to the way they were raised or maybe even their coaching. A lot of them respect us as women on the field. And as soon as you step up and you tell them, you know what, you understand it's a male-dominated sport, but you are here now, that's your position and that is what it should be they immediately give you some sort of a respect I think maybe it's sometimes a little bit easier for us to get the respect as it is for the males because with males if there's a male referee and male players and they get into an argument it can easily turn bad but as they respect the women I think getting into an argument with the ref will be maybe a little bit less but then also the bad parts of it being um, sometimes there's a little bit of sexualization um, not necessarily from the players but we do get a little bit of mouth from the what do you call it the, the spectators and sometimes obviously we are taught to ignore it or not specifically taught to ignore it but you as the referee are supposed to let that go you as a referee you are you are you, you tend to let go what people say next to the field but sometimes it's a little bit close to sexual harassment which is not always nice but as I say most of the time we just get respect which is kind of cool no that's good and well, I, I hope 
suppose most of the time turns to all the time because that's really not something that you absolutely that you yeah want. and that that's not aligned with our sport but yeah i think as it becomes more natural and and more women get involved in the game as mm -hmm. well it's you know you guys are making headway so that the next generation of female refs won't struggle as much as you guys did so that's the great great part yes. of it yes, and no, then definitely. you know this one's also partially answered but i think you can just give some clarity for mariska she asked you know as a female ref do you want to officiate men's or women's games i would definitely say at this moment men's games as i said the women's games at the moment they are I don't want to say slow, slow pace, but the pace is definitely slower than the men's. And it's nice to have an actual engaging match at that moment. Also with the, the, the females, the rules are, they know most of the rules, obviously, but there are still some rules like offside that they don't always necessarily understand or well, the levels that I'm involved at at the moment, which is mostly club. So the, the men, they just... They've been living this their whole lives. They know what's offside. They know no hands in the ruck. They know not falling over. So working with the men at the moment is just a lot more. Uh, how can I put this? It's just it's more fun. It's where we want that to be. So I would say better. if I had to pick. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, that's awesome. I think that's yeah. from the interview section. All that we have, unless Ronnie has something else to ask you. No, no. I'm actually. It was very <laughs> nice to see uh, to hear from 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 your perspective and. You know, we've never actually had, we haven't had a guest on here. We haven't had a referee on here. So for me, it's all very yeah, new and very exciting. Being very exciting. Okay. Well, yeah, that's been an awesome interview. Thanks for joining us, Carla. Okay, I hope well, you're yeah. going <laughs> to. Thanks, Ronnie. I hope you're going to stick around with us though. We just want to take a look quickly at the URC and, you know, everyone on Superbrew. We're going to get Carla's yeah. insights because Ronnie's been leading you all astray heavily over the weekend <laughs> uh, just so everyone knows i obviously picked uh i wanted to pick the pumas to beat the sharks and that didn't happen what because did you, you told me though? you told me to pick the other way <laughs> so when i listen to you <laughs> i lose yeah ronnie i'm not so sure that's the case eh? i'm definitely beating you on super brew so guys here we go let's take a look ulster versus the sharks that's a big one probably the fight for second spot on the log from the sharks there so carlo who are you picking to win that fixture well, I think it's a little bit of a hard one since it's an away game for the Sharks, but they are ahead of Ulster on the log though. And as a Shark, I would have to say my heart is going to be fully there for the Sharks. So I just hope they take the best players there that they need. And um, I'll have to say I'm going to vouch for the Sharks for that one. There we go, Ronnie. You see, that's how it's done as a Shark supporter, not this nonsense of you picking the Pumas and everything. I literally have a screenshot of you picking the Cheetahs this past game over the Sharks. So anyways, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just agree here and say my heart says the Sharks, but my head says Ulster is going to take this one. So I'm backing Ulster. Yeah, Ronnie, that hurts. I'm going with Carlo on this one. I think the Sharks are going to take it. And I think Sharks by probably a, a score at least, so by seven points. I'd then say Sharks we... by three. Sharks by three, hey? Mm -hmm. let's put you to a number. I'm going to say Ulster by five. Ulster by five. Shameful, Carla. Sorry that you had to put up with that. <laughs> and then next game of the day, these are both Friday night fixtures. So Osprey's playing host to the Blue Bulls. You know, I think the Welsh side struggling a bit in the URC at the moment. Haven't had the greatest of times. Maybe they'll fare a little bit better at home. So, Ronnie, what's yeah. your pick for that one? So, this is going to be quite comfortable for the Blue Bulls or the, for the Vodacom Bulls. So, I'm going to put the Bulls by 14. Bulls by... See, he how is this, Carla? He can't back the Sharks, but he'll back the Bulls away. Yeah, but I'm using... I'm smart. <laughs> <Nothing> <laughs> and, Carla, your feeling on that game? 
Um, I'll definitely have to agree with the Blue Bulls, though. I mean, the way they've been playing the past few games, I mean, they're really actually very good this year. So definitely have to say Bulls, but not completely 14. What I would say maybe, I don't want to, I don't know how, but I want to go for 11. Bulls by 11. There we go. You know, I also think Jake White's sort of been smart playing some of the URC players in the Curry Cup, keeping them sharp for the matches. So I'm going to go with Bulls. I think Bulls by 22. Yo, so I'm going to okay. give him a big score big in that game. Big game. And then the final game, obviously, is the Lions versus Dragons. See, Ronnie, there's also the Stormers, but we'll get to that just oh, yeah, we'll just... like <laughs> very much. So, yeah, you are right, though. Dragons versus the Emirates Lions, also an away game. Let me go first for this one. I think the Lions are going to win it. Okay, They've had a, poor, a poor record overseas, but I think Lions will take this one by three. Okay, and Carla, your opinion on the Lions? I'm not so sure about the Lions on this one, to be honest. I'm not exactly sure how the Dragons have been playing this year. But unfortunately, I have seen some of the Lions matches. Uh, the last one they played, obviously now Bulls against the Lions were good, but that was a Curry Cup game. Um, so I'll have to say I'm going to go with the Dragons for this one. We're not sure. Back the home team. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. When in doubt, back the home team. And I'm actually going to agree with Carla here. I'm going to back the Dragons. You know, the Lions... I'm just going to back for Dragons. I don't really know what to say there. So it's going to be a close game. That's Dragons by five points. Fair enough. And then you might not like to acknowledge that they exist, Ronnie, but the Stormers are here and they are doing pretty well in the URC. So Stormers versus Scarlet. I'm going to make you pick the first one there. Uh, Look, I did forget about the Stormers, but you know what? They're coming off such a streak right now. Stormers should take it and they're going to take it quite comfortably. Stormers by 14. Stormers by 14 again. What about you, Carla? Definitely the Stormers on this one. They've actually been playing very good this year. Not sure about the score, though, but I'd say Stormers by nine. Yeah, I think I'm going to go for a bit higher than all of you guys and Stormers by about 18 points. I think they'll get a good victory over the Scarlets there. And I think Stormers, Sharks and Bulls have a lot to play for. You know, everyone fighting out for that home playoffs in the quarterfinals as well as the semis. Um, You know, I already wrote the article about Munster. They need to beat Leinster, and if that happens, it'll be two home semifinals for the Irish side should they both progress that far. So all to play for from the South Africans. But looking at you here now, Ronnie, I can see you've got a rant lined up for us. Yeah, yeah. So every (laughs) week, obviously, I have my chance to have a rant or my rave. So I was originally going to rant and have a little bit of an issue with the fact that certain people said that certain countries will not host a World Cup again, and I'm not going to talk about that today. Um, I'm going to talk about that next week. And uh, instead, what I'm going to do is have a bit of a rave today. A rave, eh? Yeah. So it must be a treat because we've got a guest on the show. Can you just keep quiet, please? I've got a lot of of talking to get through here. So I just want to say today is going to be a bit of a rave. And I asked you this question earlier. But what I did is I went on to Reddit, created two little polls, you know, to hear what the masses had to say. And I essentially got... Yo, I got over 500 for on the one poll and over 600 on the other poll. So what were these polls? Stop okay, going just, on just about polls. <laughs> what were these polls? I'm about to tell you what these polls were. I feel like I've said the word poll. Just yeah, once, can you stop now? Right? Can, I, can I just quickly interrupt there? Please. There's a lot of polls and raving going on here. It almost sounds like a strip club. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ronnie, you've been caught out hard now. So can you get to the point? <laughs> right, I have to pick up this list. So um, I'm going to ask you, Nick, who is the top uh, Southern Hemisphere rugby team that is not a national team? That is not a national team. Yeah. So who would you say is the best team in the Southern Hemisphere? 
reluctantly I'm going to have to say the Crusaders. The Crusaders, all right. So I put a poll up and I said, and I asked everybody who's better, Leinster or the Crusaders. So um, 63% of the world are in favor of Leinster being better than the Crusaders. Really? And uh, a large portion of those people actually wrote in the comments and said, this is the wrong poll. You should be looking, you should be asking who's better between Leinster and the Blues. So 63% were in favor of Leinster when playing against Crusaders. And obviously indicating that, you know, the Blues would do a lot better. But what do you think the result was? How many people were in favor of the Blues winning that one? About 70% of the poll. Absolutely. So <laughs> it went up from 63% to 73% in favor of Leinster winning against the, the Auckland Blues. So I, I as it stands, Leinster is favored by everybody. Well, I don't know if Carlos picking up the same thing I am here, but doesn't this just reconfirm that Bowden Barrett's better than Richie Moonga? <laughs> <laughs> I knew that was going to come back up. <laughs> I don't know, Ronnie, you've kind of painted a picture there. Hey, we're going off Crusaders past success. That's so I just want to clarify here, and this is a perfect opportunity to do so because Nick is not in fact a mathematician. Now we get to the rant. So 63% of, of people were in favor if Leinster played the Crusaders. However, 73% of people were in favor if they played the Blues. So they're saying the Blues are shitter than the Crusaders. So I don't, I don't know. know. As, as Ronnie always says, 70% of facts are made up on the spot and are untrue. <laughs> yeah, so that's a bit of a, a rave in favor of Leinster. So well done to you, Leinster. Proud of you. Well, Ronald, thanks for that ranting rave that you gave us over there. Sorry that you had to sit through that, Carla. But... <laughs> time for a Saturday. Last week, Ronnie was guessing Pat Lambie. The answer is actually the birthday boy and happy birthday, France, for yesterday. Good old France Dane was our Saturday from last week. This week, we thought we'd change it up a little bit. You've got some help today. Carla's also going to get two questions, Ronnie. You're only getting your two and we'll see if you guys can guess. But before we get into that, last week, you chirped on this podcast that I wouldn't go back and listen to how many you got <laughs> right versus how many you got wrong. Okay. Well, I took the challenge, Ronnie. You've gotten four right and 11 wrong. 11 wrong? <laughs> if you didn't check the stats, you can't call me out on whether that's right or wrong. You just have to believe me. So. We haven't done that many podcasts. And, and also yeah. just want to say 70% of stats are made up on the spot. So in all honesty, I don't believe you. Well, I think we'll go first. We'll give Ronnie two questions, then Carla, and then we'll let you guys each take a guess. As the listeners know, clues will be posted throughout the week on our social media with the answer coming on Saturday. So here we go, guys. It's another name, the player. So this player's name is Jan, but he's not player 23. Just to add something in there, he was in the video from uh, Robbie Vessels, I think it was. He has 66 test caps to his name. He holds the SA record for Super Rugby appearances. His debut game came in 2008. That's at international level. And he's only ever played in South Africa besides short appearances for the Barbarians. So, Carla, let's start it off. Do you have any questions for us? Is Jan the name that he's known by? No. Uh Okay. That's a a good question. Do you have another one or should I make Ronnie ask one now? Ronnie, what's your question? I just want to know, is he a World Cup winner? (laughs) This is the standard question. Unfortunately, he's not a World Cup winner. He's not a World Cup. Do you have another question there, Carla? Has he ever been a captain? Yes, he has. Both domestically and at international level. Okay. All right, and the, uh, you mentioned his debut game in 2008. Who was that against? So that game was in July of 2008. It was in the rugby championship mm. against Australia. He came off the bench. So I think that's enough questions for the both of you. Do either of you have a guess for me here? I think I might. Who do you have for us, Carla? Is it Adrian Strauss? 
I don't know. We're going to have to wait and see. Ronnie, who do you think it is? Oh, I think it's Jan Strauss. Jan Strauss. <laughs> <laughs> well, now this I'm... is just getting technical. There's another war coming. <laughs> I'm actually going to agree with Carla here. It is Adrian Strauss. Adrian Strauss eh? Well, maybe two heads are better than one, Ronnie. You needed some help. I don't know if that's the correct answer. You guys will have to wait <laughs> like everyone else for the answer to come out on Saturday. But yeah, guys, thanks everyone for joining the show. Thanks for giving us a listen. Please do share the show around. Um, Smash that like button. Yeah, and we'll catch you guys here next week, Thursday. Thank you very much for joining us, Carla. We really appreciate that. And thank you also for inviting me. I really appreciated it.